Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. We are all hurting for the Floyd family and, and our country. You know, I can speak for our entire staff and our team in that regard for sure. Where there are people, there's going to be hate. There's going to be racism and greed and jealousy and crime and so on because we live in a sinful, fallen world. We've had so much bad news. I'm glad I don't have social media because my reaction would probably jump on social media and say things I shouldn't say and regret. And I'm glad I don't have that. Davo Sweeney right there, head coach of the Clemson Tigers. And in addition to that, they were dealing with the, uh, the news that broke nationally, although they all knew about it, apparently. Clemson assistant coach Danny Perriman apologized after word spread on social media of an incident in which he used a racial slur during a 2017 practice. Yeah, I think he repeated a racial slur. He did, but did not. Repeated at the player who used it. Uh, former tighter, tight end, DJ Greenley, said it was a heated argument during practice. Me and coach got into it, and I was speaking with one of my teammates. He heard me use the N-word back and basically tried to correct me by saying the N-word back. So, Perriman did offer an apology uh, afterwards. Speaking of social media, Oklahoma State linebacker, uh, has tested positive for COVID-19 after attending a protest in Tulsa over the weekend. We were talking about this yesterday, PK. There wasn't a lot of social distancing going on in these protests. And as it turned into rioting and looting, there's no social distance. There's no uh, mass. And so how is this all going to work out? And, well, for one athlete, there's a positive test right there. There are other athletes coming up with positive tests, two Marshall football players, and one employee at Marshall tested positive the coronavirus last week, too. They've restarted voluntary workouts at Marshall. <laughs> Isn't there always going to be somebody who is testing positive? Yes. Do you think we'll ever have a time where it's not? Uh, not for the foreseeable future, I wouldn't think. I think the reaction is different. You know, now that there's more PPE and now that there's more uh, ventilators and now the hospital beds... Uh, seem to be available. I mean, Rudy Gobert tested positive. Donovan tested positive, and they shut the whole league down. Now I think they're going to isolate people individually, and I expect everything's going to keep going. Now, if 40 people on a football team test positive, will they handle it differently? I don't know what will happen there. I guess we'll find out if we get to that point. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. None of us have a crystal ball, and we have to acknowledge that there's some unique features of this virus that we can't predict. But if we were to continue to track on the course that we seem to be right now, I feel optimistic about us being back and playing football this fall and on, on the schedule that we've outlined. So that's what we're working toward. That's what we're preparing for. Again, a lot of work, as you mentioned, going in, working very, very collaboratively with the NFL Players Association because we have exactly the same goals in this situation. But yes, I am still personally very optimistic that we'll be playing football in the fall of 2020. It's Alan Sills. He's the chief medical officer for the NFL. And the NFL announcing that they're going to be holding training camps. All the teams are going to be at their main practice facilities. More than half the league is already there, but 
there's still about 10 teams or so that go away. The Cowboys always go to California. That's one of the, the big ones. But the Chiefs leave. The Packers the leave. Panthers like have always team. gone to Wofford College or something like that. NFL players not expected to return to their team facilities until training camp, according to a report from ESPN's Adam Schefter. So there you go. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. We need to play basketball. We want to play basketball. We're on our Zoom meetings Thursdays and Sundays, and our guys want to do it, but we also understand there's so many scenarios, and, and we're all anxiously waiting to find out where we sit in that. And then, you know, whatever the course of action that happens, we'll, we'll continue to find ways to get better as an organization with our guys. It's Atlanta Hawks coach Lloyd Pierce saying they need to play basketball, but it looks like eight teams aren't going to be doing that. So they're going to have to adjust somehow come up with some alternative plan. No, they're going to be in the NIT. We already decided that. (laughs) Regional games being played. NBA continuing to model a 22-team format. Resume the season in Orlando. The July 31 date has been thrown out there in Link. You ready for the finals to go to October 12th, PK? No, but if I have to, yes. That's much later than we had heard. We'd Heard the Labor Day weekend was originally leaked, and then there was talk about mid-September, which is really when the NFL gets going because they don't play Labor Day weekend. So mid-September made sense. A little surprising here mid-October. It did. I would agree with that. It was a little bit of an eyebrow raise. It's not outrageous. It's not like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? But, yeah, I agree with you. It's funny. I know mean, the circumstances are what they are, obviously. But, the, you know, a Christmas Day start to get away from the NFL, and here they are finishing the season now i understand it's a unique set of circumstances that hopefully will never happen again but for this one time it does seem that it's stretched out a little longer if they're talking about being in the same city and being in the same campus basically if they could find a way to play more games sooner so i haven't seen the a to z model but obviously i saw the october 12th date it does seem like it uh, is stretched out you can kind of back some of that up, you know, assuming about two weeks for uh, each of the playoff series. So that means conference finals are going to be in late September. The second round is going to be in early September. I assume they're still going to go with seven-game series for all of these. Certainly for the finals, that's what they're talking about. I would think they want as many playoff games as possible. But I think this is leaving room for at least two or three weeks of regular season games and my guess is they're going to have a week in there for some kind of play-in tournament, which I would think at least in the early stages would, you know, one game and have the uh, kind of the NCAA model. So as soon as the game starts, you know, it's on and somebody's done in two and a half hours. So although some teams could be there, two teams would be there until October 12th. I also think it's pretty clear now that uh, like 14 teams are going to be gone by Labor Day. Yeah, and I would like that. That would be fun for an entertainment standpoint, which is all I really care about. So I would be interested in that. I would hope that under this scenario, they don't do it like they do it regularly, where the finals are scheduled to begin on uh, a given date, and it doesn't change if both conferences sweep. You know, they still set the date. I would like this date to be maybe if both conferences or however they do it, the two remaining teams, if they finish off their series early, rather than wait to an assigned date to move it up. So, 
I, I'm totally with you. If you end up with like, sometimes they'll be like five days off before the finals. Now the Jazz had 10 that year because they started earlier and swept and the Bulls started a little later and needed seven to beat the Pacers. If you end up with a seven games conference final, there's nothing you can do. But you're right. If there's two five game conference finals, don't don't need to sit around, do we? Let's, no, let's not in going. this circumstance. So, you know, that is, wor- I don't want to say worst case, longest case with the seventh game. But if they can find a way to start them earlier because of uh, ball clubs on both sides advancing quicker, that I think that would be good. Uh, we can get into this later in the show, but there have been a lot of proposals kicked around. They're looking to give the teams that have had the better seeds here, give them some kind of advantage. Now, the first advantage they get to keep is, you know, they get to play the lowest seed, right? One gets to play eight, which most years is better than four playing five, although we've seen some ones lose to some eights. Uh, so they've got that, but, you know, how do you, the equivalent of home game for a, a pivotal game five. Game five has to be pivotal when it's 2-2. Two, two. It's, it's the law. Or, uh, obviously, a decisive game seven. So they, they got all kinds of goofy stuff out there. I'm not sure I like most of it, PK. It's pretty gimmicky stuff. We can get into it, but they were coming up with some pretty off-the-wall stuff, although none of it's made it out of the competition committee to the Board of Governors, so maybe none of it's very serious. What do you mean? You don't want to pick your own hotel? That would be the easiest one because it wouldn't really impact the competition. So that's the one, you know, and I haven't been down there, but I'm sure there's some high-end hotels down there. And if you're going to be there, if you're one of the better teams, you're going to be there for two months, I guess, yeah, you get the nicest hotel. But i got to imagine Disney World's got a lot of high-end hotels, so I don't even know that that stuff's that big a deal. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Chicago Cubs owner Tom Ricketts pushed back on the perception the baseball teams are cash cows, saying the annual revenues are mostly put right back into the teams. Here's something I, this is a quote, here's something I hope baseball fans understand. Most baseball owners don't take money out of their team. They raise all the revenue they can from tickets and media rights, they take out their expenses, and they give their money left to the GM to spend. The league itself does not make a lot of cash. I think there's a perception that we hoard cash, we take money out, and it's all sitting in a pile we've collected over the years. Well, it isn't because no one anticipated a pandemic. No one expects to have to draw down on the reserves from the past. Every team has to figure out a way to plug the hole. Close quote. I can already hear a couple of baseball agents. Why don't we just start, start with Scott Boris saying, yeah, but what about the value of your franchise? Obviously, that goes up and up and up and up. Yeah. Yeah. Major League Baseball Players Association has reportedly embraced the proposal from owners to play only a regional schedule during the 2020 season. So AL East, NL East, AL West, NL West, that kind of stuff. And we're going to see a lot of games uh, you know, in this part of the country. The Rockies, the Diamondbacks will go to the Pacific Coast and, uh, and play both divisions. But less travel, more games in the home market starting at a, uh, what is for most people a more convenient time. No more of the, the Dodgers in New York, Philly, and Atlanta with first pitch at 4.30. Yeah, I think what they should do, you know, Denver's eight hours. And if you really, if you drive super fast, you can get to the Phoenix area. Well, PK and if you're not going to have a whole bunch of, stand, bunch of stand, people in the stands, hey, what better ballpark than our ballpark? Bring them on in. Let's go. Cut down the That'd travel. That would be so awesome. Cut down the That'd travel. Be sweet. Neutral site. Rockies and the Athletics. You guys weren't really going to pack the park in either place anyway. 
Number one, you aren't going to draw that many for that series. Number two, you aren't going to be allowed to draw that many for that series. So number three, just come on to Salt Lake. Yeah, who was the Mariners came here for a game with the Rockies, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was a beautiful March day. Yeah. It was Saturday, if I remember, and the place was packed. Chop. Uh, trend, what is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Utah wide receivers coach Guy Holiday is going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Utah players coming back to campus, getting ready here in a little more than a week. And Brian Keel, former BYU and NFL linebacker, is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Restarting football. We'll talk with these guys. Stay with us. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Bowler is such a classic rock guy. Been to a Doobie Brothers concert with Bowler. And you, for that matter. And PK. Afterward, this woman comes running over to get PK's autograph. And Bowler and I are standing there looking at each other like PK is just beaming. Basically, your point of this story was how could somebody possibly recognize PK and not not recognize you and Bowler? Oh, that's not true, man. Bowler and I are standing right there in shock. I said we were looking at each other. And thinking. PK's a star. Uh, it's not. No. Why wouldn't I it's think why that? Why are you talking to this guy when the great Gordon Monson is standing right here? I'm Gordon Monson. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes of Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Hot takes, hot cakes, get it? Pancakes, breakfast humor, and PK. Today, <clears throat> yeah, today we got a question up there that is the equivalent of, I don't know, what, what is the most bizarre pancakes you or a college roommate or... I don't know, maybe your parents or your spouse or whoever ever made. You know, you just make pancakes, but sometimes then you make banana pancakes or blueberry pancakes, put something in it. What is the weirdest thing you could put in it? You know, peppermint pancakes, right? <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Yuck just made a face, but then he raised his eyebrows like, oh, I don't know, I might try it. I've had know. some weird pancakes in Taiwan, so. Oh, really? Peppermint? Yeah. No. Not peppermint, I, but. I just, I just have the regular Jack uh, Jack Johnson has a song named Banana Pancakes that's really good. So every time I hear Banana Pancakes, I think of Jack Johnson and the song Banana Pancakes. You're not alone. I think the same thing. It talks about uh, it. it's raining. There's no need to go outside. I'll make you banana pancakes. So I always think of that. But I'm just a regular. I don't want anything else in it. Just a regular pancake, dude. Well, the question today is, what do you want to know Wednesday? Ask us anything, and we got to answer. There are some crazy questions coming in, PK. What are they? Which team would win in a tug-of-war, the BYU cheerleaders or the Utah cheerleaders? This is what you sit around and imagine, people? Cheerleader tug-of-war? Well, I'd have to go ahead and evaluate the males in the competition rather than the females. The females, they all tend to have the same body size. And the faces obviously look different, but their bodies tend to be very similar. So I would imagine that their strength would be very similar. So I'd have to evaluate the, the male gender of the cheerleaders. And you can get some of those cheerleaders that are extremely buff and athletic. 
because they're doing a lot of different things in terms of holding the women up and and maybe even some of their guys that are in the cheerleading uh, squad, they're holding them up too. Some of those guys got some serious uh, arms and guns on them, man, if you see them. So I'd have, to, I'd have to take a look at each male in the cheerleading squad before I make that answer. But I'll, I'll check that out this, this, hopefully this fall and put that on the back burner, guys, and, and we'll, we'll be able to answer it at a later date. Ron wants to know, in a mud wrestling match, who would win, DJ or PK? Ron, why are you even thinking about that stuff? What are you doing, Ron? Are we nude? Man, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> Eric, then I would go with you. Eric isn't even... <laughs> Eric isn't even following the rules with questions. He's just making statements. Why is your profile picture so damn blurry? Update that crap. <laughs> questions, Eric. It's questions. I don't know. I never did that. <laughs> I, I don't even know who put together our... Was it Terry South who put our Facebook page together? I have Probably, no but I don't know either. Uh, Ryan yeah. wants to know... So when, you're right. That's yeah. not a question anyway. Right, exactly. Ryan has a question. This is getting deep. When did PK sell his soul to Cosmo, and what did he get for it? <laughs> sell your soul. Oh, uh, well, I decided that if I became a hardcore BYU fan, and I decided this when I was living in New Jersey growing up, because obviously at that point, you know, BYU is very prominent, and so I'm a lifelong Cougar fan. So I made that, I made that decision. Uh, I think that... Uh, you know, I, I participated in an infant baptism, and I think as soon as the priest sprinkled some water and holy water on me, I made that decision that I'm going to follow Cosmo. So it's been a long time, and it's paid off handsomely. Eric says, you don't ever respond to anyone's comments here. Why should any of us believe today is any different? And so I just posted back, because it is. Happy? You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's for the show. We're on record. I, I never went on any record. Do people want pithy yeah, we comments? Always I can do it. that. We just don't I answer no it there. We respond it. to it. We respond on the show all the time. And most of the time, there, are, there aren't questions on Facebook. We're posing questions, and people are making statements. Very rarely is there a question that follows our question. That's not the way the process works. So tell him to please shut up. <laughs> Matt says, why don't you ever talk about classic sports movies like Teen Wolf? <laughs> Yuck, now furrows his brow. Teen Wolf? Because I don't think the demographic we have are the teens. You know, if the demographic was the teenage kids, we would. There, there's your answer. How old is Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf, is that like a 30, 35-year-old movie? Have they redone it and I missed it? No, it's one of the classic 80 movies. I don't think it's been redone as far as I'm aware. Okay, this is simple. You can handle it. Jack wants to know, where is PK's favorite place to eat? That's pretty straightforward. You got you to gotta like that. My mother's kitchen. Ah, the Italian food. The classics never grow old. Yes. What well, percentage... No, dearly. What percentage of your mom's kitchen magic are your sisters able to recreate on a regular basis? 80% of the deal? Well, oh. one, zero. Oh, really? Not a cook at all? Uh, one doesn't, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't do it at all. No, not at all. The other one, 
I'd say probably 75%, uh, but that 75% has now become so delicious to me because I'm not there all the time, and I don't have my mother's anymore. But my mother was a sensational cook with the Italian food, just absolutely brilliant. Uh, if she would have had any money, she clearly could have off, uh, opened up her own little kitchen restaurant. My sister's 50th birthday, it was cool because they had a surprise party at my parents' house on a Saturday. And so I was I called her up Saturday morning to wish her happy 50th birthday, blah, 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 blah. And then I jumped on a plane and flew down there. So then when all the folks, and she knew a lot of people because she was in education for many years, and so the place was packed, and so I, people went in, yelled surprise, and then I snuck up behind her, and she was stunned that I was there because I had just spoken to her earlier in the day. And um, anyway, there was all sorts of people there, and my mother made a big Italian feast, and I heard people say, whom I didn't know, obviously they knew my sister, but I didn't know some. They're saying, man, you, this is as good as anything I've ever had. I've never had this good as a, at a restaurant. You could, she should blah, 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 open up a restaurant because, and all, all sorts of what I would identify, people call it pasta. We never called it pasta growing up. It's not, not a phrase. It's either ravioli, lasagna, macaroni, whatever it might be. Yeah, that's what we called it. And they were just amazed at how good it tastes. She, I mean, my mother was just absolutely excellent. So, a few more for you that are kind of odd. Are you ready for this one? Before you go into that one, okay. on that flight that I flew down to Phoenix with, yeah. I did talk up Phil Mickelson's mother-in-law. She was on the flight. <laughs> and I knew her. She lived in the area. So we, we, had a, we had a fun flight down. But go ahead. Dan wants to know, if your knees bent the other way, what would a chair look like? A stool. Aha! Jason wants to know why Salt Lake County won't follow suit with other city-run sports leagues and get their softball leagues up and running. Sandy and West Valley start next week. It's a competition to be the first rec softball league back. Well, now they have a curfew going on that they've extended through the week, right? So you can, nothing can go on after 8 o'clock, as I understand it, right? So, Or is that a county? Of, is it done by cities or counties? How does that work? This one's Salt Lake City-specific, 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. each day. Right, but I meant the leagues. Oh, the I leagues. Know, I, I know the city has its curfew. I didn't. That's not what I meant. I meant the actual. So, are softball leagues run by counties or cities? I didn't know they were run by counties. I thought they were run by cities. That's what I thought, too. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's a short answer right now. They, <laughs> they can't do it. Brett, Utes and Zoops, September 3rd. Does anything else matter? College football. All caps, fingers crossed, hands together praying. Well, yes, Brad, I, I think other things do matter. Uh, in the sports world, uh, to some folks, they that matters, number one. I get that. That's why I'm so fortunate to work in this community because, you know, when I grew up back east, it was a big pro market. Well, then I moved to Arizona to go to high school, and we still have the Suns, right? So that's out there. But we don't have – at the time, that's all we have. Now they got everything. But at the time, they don't have – anything beyond the suns so for my sports fandom i gravitated toward college football because 
Arizona State and the U of A and, and to a lesser extent Northern Arizona up north. Those were the big things, just like they are here. It really reminds me a lot of here, similar situation. So I really, really got into college football big time in a manner that I never would have done had I stayed back east because it's not nearly as big. Well, I moved to Phoenix in the desert, and when it came time for football, the Devils were what we had, right? So it became a huge deal. And then working here, here's where it ties in, College football here is a huge, huge deal. Well, it already naturally had my interests. So it was so much fun for me to be able to work here and to do this job because I just had a big-time natural interest in college football that I developed living in the desert. So I get it. It is huge up here, and it's so much fun for me because no matter what I was doing, if I was a teacher and I actually went and got a teaching credential, so that probably what I would be doing if I wouldn't have been doing this media stuff would be in the teaching industry, I would still be a big-time college football fan. Now I get to do it and do it for work. And really, for me, it can't get any better. There are a handful of serious questions in here. People really want to lean on our sports knowledge. John says who was the biggest jerk to ever play for the Utah Jazz, or to put it more diplomatically, who had the most personality conflicts with the rest of the organization. Uh, There's a list here. He links to a list of the top 15 NBA players who are jerks in real life. He says nobody from the Jazz made this list. So who's, who's number one in Jazz history? Uh, well, I don't know if he was a jerk in real life, but obviously Stockton could be difficult to deal with. Yeah, I was going to go to a guy who got into it with Stockton, and there was a locker room divide, uh, Mark Jackson. Man, were there some hard feelings at the end of his short tenure? Yeah, but it was just it was almost overnight. It was. It was very quick. Nobody's interested in John Starks. It was, it was Mark Jackson, not John Starks. If I said Starks, I was wrong. It was Mark Jackson. You did say Starks. But uh, Mark Jackson, people don't even remember him playing. I mean, that that just moved on. That's an easy answer that nobody really cares about. Well, Stockton had letters to the editor written about him not signing autographs and that. So he definitely definitely bruised some feelings of some fans along the way. Uh, But I can't say he was a jerk in real life. I don't know No, I think a lot of people in his immediate circle are, uh, you know, love the guy. You know, right. There's that immediate circle. So. uh, So I always understood just because of what you are to the media doesn't necessarily mean that's what you are in life to people all the time. So I'm not going to say that the man was this or that because I don't know, nor do I care. But no. Uh, On the other on the flip side, Hornacek, which is an absolute jewel. Yeah. Couldn't have been better. Literally could not have been better. Nicer to be around, O'Kerr or Hornacek? Ooh, that's tough. That's really tough because O'Kerr has a real tender heart, too. Uh, I'd probably go Jeff just because I know him a little bit more. Uh, O'Kerr I spent some time in Mexico with. He went on a couple of those trips. And then I also uh, did some other stuff with him uh, that people had asked me to do you know, a, a sick child or whatever, and I got some, for some reason, I got involved. So I saw Kerr, and he, he's a man of the people. And I, and I have to give him credit, too, because he was a man of the people, but he was in a foreign country who didn't have an entire grasp of the language. 
And yet, so pers- it might have been harder. Yeah, the personality really came through for him, though. Yeah. Uh, the most personality conflicts the rest of the organization. I mean, D. Will had a pretty good run there and obviously had the big blow up with Sloan at the end. We know it wasn't just one either. It was a series, and Jerry famously on East Coast trip said, you know, one more next time and I'm done. So, yeah, Darren could be difficult to deal with. I have uh, some stories involving the media with him, one of our former colleagues going down to Vegas. and Darren, you know, when they were playing on the uh, Olympic, what was team. the Olympic teams and doing, they were doing games there, and you sent somebody down there and and to interview him, and he just didn't want to partake of it. So, it doesn't seem to really make sense to me. You you're just you're causing yourself more grief. I, mean, I can remember Larry Bird reading something about him. He says, "I, I gave him 10, 15 minutes after a game, and then I'm done." And I can remember sitting there interviewing in the L.A. sports arena when he played the Clippers. He sat there for like 15 minutes, answered questions. In 15 minutes, he said, I'm done. And so he's true to his word. <laughs> I give you 15. Answer me. Let's talk about this game. So I'll sit here. I'll answer, answer your questions. He said, I'd do that every game. And I had no problem with him. Magic. Now, Magic would hold court. <laughs> Magic just loved it, man. He'd stay for two hours if that's what he if that's what he wanted. I mean, he'd just sit there and people would be around him and he would just talk and talk. He just loved to talk to people, no matter who it was. That's just his personality. He was so friendly and so warm and welcoming, and he would just speak. Be in a in a form locker room when I was down there was there playing in the form, and and he would hold court and. I don't know in the Los Angeles history of sports if there was a more beloved athlete than Magic. And he made himself available. Now, Kareem, on the other hand, was very, very difficult and wasn't interested, uh, which was a shame because he's so freaking intelligent. He had stuff to say, as we see now, as he speaks out on social issues. I mean, highly intelligent man. But Magic, not that he was any less intelligent, but for whatever reason, his personality was so open and warm. He loved to talk. He was, yeah, do an interview. Sort of like, sort of like uh, Carl Malone. Only sometimes Carl would he'd play the bad guy, you know, if he was in a particular mood. Carl obviously loved to talk, and it was fun to talk to him for sure too. But sometimes he would act like he was way irritated. Doesn't uh, maybe there might have been times with Magic, but I really can't remember any. Serious questions. There are a few mixed in. When will Major League Baseball start? Sweet and to the point from Greg. Uh, I was listening to some Phoenix radio yesterday, and they had on the owner of the Diamondbacks, and he said he's more optimistic than ever that they'll have some form of a season this year. Uh, and, they, boy, they're really going to miss the boat. I mean, And you can point fingers, but I think you throw them all in the same pool and you just blast them both. I'm not going to blast either side over the other if they don't get this done because they have a real opportunity. And it seems like it, it would just help out, even if you're a casual fan, uh, to get some people back and enjoying it. And at least, at least at the minimum, have some form of diversion. I assume that we're going to see, uh, see them playing in late July, but I got no inside information. But it seems like if they're going to get enough games in to justify a postseason and they need a postseason to make the money, I would think late July. You know, we're in early June now, so they've got to get going. That's what we've heard. 
but the deal it's like you said who really wins if it's shut down it seems like a lose-lose proposition which suggests that somehow some way they're going to find some way to bridge the gap and get a deal done well i think it's a lose-lose-lose proposition because throw the fans in there on that third loss Kelly tweets. Uh, Kelly goes to Facebook and says, "Boys volleyball is being voted on as a sanctioned sport in Utah schools." I played boys volleyball 20 years ago in Vegas in high school. It's a huge club sport for boys here in Utah, and it's one of the fastest growing youth sports for boys and girls. So why has it taken so long for boys <laughs> to be a sanctioned sport? And what are your thoughts on it? Uh, a couple of things. I like people who are into a sport that isn't big time. And sports by themselves, definition is they are niche. But then you get the niche of the niche. And they'll, no matter who, what sport it is, it's the fastest growing. All the lacrosse people, it's the fastest growing. All the soccer people, it's the fastest growing. Everybody's the fastest growing if you're into a particular sport. So I always enjoy that. The fastest growing. I love that phrase because if you support something, it's the fastest growing. <laughs> so get that out there. And, and yeah, obviously... Uh, I would agree with that, to put the sport there. I think high school, as many sports as you possibly can, as many clubs as you possibly can, to get as many kids involved as you possibly can. Absolutely, yeah. And I was in Southern California working, and that was huge. I've covered many, many volleyball, and they do have it in Arizona, too. It's a spring sport. And volleyball in SoCal, big time, obviously. So, yes, of course. I would love to see it be a sanctioned high school sport and augment or complement, however you want to say it, the club stuff. I have no idea why it's taken so long. Spring, because of gym time, would make the most sense to me. I guess they could do it in fall the same time they're doing the girls, but there's so many guys playing football, they tend not to put a lot of the boys' sports in the fall. So... Yeah, I would think spring. I, I don't know why it's taking so long, to be honest with you. Mo- money? Money's the easy guess. You know, it's budgets, and that means you're going to have to have more buses moving more kids around. you got to pay more coaches. you got to pay more insurance. So I'll go with money. Ah, well, yeah, so many of these places they could uh, start and uh, have parents are involved in financing it. Uh, I mean, i got a kid in the band, and, and it, it's not cheap. Uh, they're starting. They're starting a marching band at the local high school this year. I think that's awesome, absolutely awesome, that they're going to start the marching band. Get more kids involved, and my kid's going to be involved in the marching band, and I'm going to go to football games to watch her march in a freaking band because they had a pep band this year, and I went to football and basketball games uh, to watch her. I'd stand there, make sure she noticed me, got eye contact. I'm here. <laughs> And then, then I'd turn around and, and watch the football game for a while. And then when the team, when the pep band would play, I'd change it and I'd look over there. Because then after the song, she'd look my way to see if I was looking. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta, you got to play that game. Yeah, but I'm all for it. That's what I told you my brother-in-law. He's deceased now. He's one of the founders of high school soccer in Arizona back in the 80s because he got it and he worked tirelessly. Uh, to have that sport be a sanctioned sport. He's literally known, and I think I've, I've sent you some publications on this. You did. Too, you I sent recall. me one. Yeah. yeah, he's known as the godfather of high school soccer because he worked and worked and worked and got it to be a sanctioned sport, which seems crazy now, but in the 80s, that's what he needed to do. 
I want to say around 1984, 85, I think, maybe 83, is when they got it going. And they play in the winter there, use the football field, and it's a winter sport, obviously. So he always used to have to. He came from a high school that was pretty good in football. So he was always conflicted because several of his football players were on the soccer team, and the longer they went in the postseason, which <laughs> yeah. there extends, and they usually play the finals in uh, Sun Devil Stadium. At least they did anyway. There was no Cardinal Stadium. And they would play it into December. And so then it would impact his soccer season. And he was the PA announcer uh, for the high school soccer uh, football they would, uh, playoffs when they would move to the Sun Devil Stadium. He wouldn't do it. And I would help him, and I'd be a, I would be a spotter. And one time he was reading something about uh, some type of raffle. And uh, it's the tagline at the end, uh, it's not necessary to be present to win. And he he said, "You need not be necessary to win." <laughs> All these people, <laughs> everyone turned around looking at the press yeah. box, like, "What is wrong yeah. with you?" Yeah. Yes, you need not be necessary. And in fact, because the uh, football field is where they play the soccer, on the back of the press box, his name is on it, named when it's soccer. It's his name, Soccer Field. You know how they'll do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the Merlin Olsen Field, right? Isn't that what they call it? Yeah. So they have his name on the, the uh, front side, the parking lot side, the school side of the press box uh, because they named the Soccer Field after him. Because he was, and he won, I think he won six or eight state titles and really was well-known in the soccer community there. Yeah, soccer was already going in California as far as I knew. I don't know when they started. They started in the 60s or I don't know. I know. Doesn't it seem outrageous? Yeah, that was already going. And I had plenty of friends who played. It was a winter sport, and I played basketball, so I never went to any of their games because there was always, you know, same day, same time kind of stuff, similar time. Well, plus you were, were like, visiting Wooden and other guys. (laughs) Wooden. But, you know, volleyball didn't become a sport, and we didn't even have a club team. When my brother told me, oh, yeah, I'm going to a volleyball match tonight, I'm like, volleyball? He says, oh, yeah, we got a team. Like, it was either his junior or senior year. It was after I was gone. He's four years younger than me. I think it was his senior year. Uh, they started volleyball um, down there in San Diego. So, Well, I think club teams aren't necessarily fulfill- affiliated with the high school. Yeah. But I, just, I literally didn't know anybody who played volleyball. I went, I went to UC Santa Barbara, and volleyball is a big, big deal there. Beach volleyball is a big deal. It wasn't a campus sport, but it was a big deal in the community. All the beaches had volleyball, and there were always people there playing, and the, the tour had come through and all that. And then the college teams both drew really well. And uh, it was all brand new to me. I didn't know anything. It was just totally brand new. But the whole marching band thing, I was when I moved here, that was one thing that struck me is that there'd be basically one, maybe two schools in the district would have a band. And you know, growing up, every school had a band. That was like the halftime of every game. And a core of them are always the pep band at every basketball game. So coming here and nothing. Hardly ever saw one. So good they're getting one going. Yeah, definitely. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Guy Holiday, Utah wide receivers coach, is coming up at 8 o'clock. Coming up next, what were you watching last night? We'll get you caught up. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I feel like there is a building of opinion or continuing building of opinion of people saying, why are we doing all this to finish an NBA season? Everybody has something to gain. So I don't want to hear this. Well, why are we even doing this? I would say they just shut it down. Let's get ready for 2021. Stop with all that. When you're talking about eliminating sports and saying, oh, there's no reason these games need to play. You're talking about GAs trying to make a living with a wife and maybe a kid in college football who's making no money. Those are the people that are really going to take the brunt of this if you don't get sports back in some way, shape, or form. It needs to be done safely. It needs to be done appropriately. That's the number one priority. But if it can happen, it needs to happen because there's a lot of people out there that are really dependent on it. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. a little extra time on your hands it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time what did you watch last night with dj and pk on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network too much time on my hands too much time on my DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Well, PK, what were you watching last night, aside from the Jazz president striding down the hallway shoulder-to-shoulder with the NBA commissioner? Uh, I did see that, yeah. They were talking about, obviously, the league returning. Uh, I watched what was going on nationally, continue to be appalled by so-called news stations just telling me one side is awesome, and but the other side sucks, and then you flip the station, and then you get the reverse. Their side is awesome, and the other side sucks. <laughs> As a political moderate, I get turned off by all that. And then I watched the little bit of the Len Bias situation there. I don't know why they were doing that, but they had a lot of stuff on ESPN devoted to Len Bias, and I can remember... I had just barely moved over to California at that time, and I was working. We, we, we printed five editions of newspapers. That's how crazy it was back then. People can't relate to that. And uh, three of them were afternoons, and then other two came out in the morning. So I would either work an extreme evening shift or an extreme morning shift. Well, this particular morning, it was a morning shift, and so I went in there, and they used to have this uh, AP photo machine, and they would spit out photos, and then you would look at them, decide if you want to use them, size them up, blah, blah, blah. So I got there early, you know, like 6 o'clock, and I'm looking at all these photos. I see all these photos of Len Bias, thinking, what the heck is going on with all these photos of Len Bias are coming over? Well, then, obviously, I start reading the captions there and get on the newswire and find out he had died. And like, you're kidding me, man. This is unbelievable. This is a shocker of all shocks. And they, <clears throat> they went through. So I had known the story, but I did watch some of it. And it's really just a, just a miserable, miserable tragedy, as most tragedies are. And then they talked about his, his mother had a doctorate. She still speaks today, I believe. I think she's still doing uh, some motivational speaking. And, and Because then, uh, what, it was uh, like four or five years later? She lost another son who got shot in some type of robbery deal. Lost two kids. You gotta be kidding me. 
So I did watch that, and you know, he was, I think, the second pick. He was. was it 80, 86? He was. He was the second pick in the 1986 yeah. draft. The next to, yeah. the next to last pick in that draft. Do you know who that was? Uh, well, the draft was longer then, so I don't know. I don't think it was longer. I think it was only two rounds. I thought it was still seven back then. Anyway, who was it? Oh, Hornacek. There you go. Mr. Jeff, uh, I was Jeff just, Hornacek I was went just in that draft. In, Larry Kristowiak yeah. went in that draft. Yeah, actually, I was just typing it in. It was a seven-round draft, yep. but Hornacek was the 46th pick. He was someone what we would now consider, well, the league was smaller then. so But 46th pick is pretty far down the list. Kristowiak 24? was uh, 28, which was second round. The 24th pick, the last pick in the first round, was Arvidas Sabonis, who came over late and injured, but still p- played pretty well for the Blazers for a while. The start of the second round, three of the first four picks were Mark Price, Dennis Rodman, and Larry Kristoviak. Yeah. Jazz took Del Curry in that draft. Yep. So, bias second pick. I think Brad Doherty was the first pick. He, he had was. a nice career for Cleveland. And uh, bias... Say, they say, man, I remember watching him play in college. Obviously, he never got the opportunity to play in the pros, so who knows. But it looked like he had all the skills. But what what a tragedy. And then they talked about maybe how Blend Bias, that situation, saved lives because he was a prominent college athlete, obviously, for the University of Maryland, and that people, maybe they became aware of the evils and the problems with drugs. So maybe he might have saved some lives. I guess you can say that. I don't know that we'll ever know that. But that was one of the spins off of that. But that was a stunner. Just an unbelievable stunner, man, to have that happen, to do that, and wondering why would you do that. And, and such a such a phenomenal, profound loss. I didn't see enough of them play uh, in college. I mean, a little bit, but not enough. But there are people who think that uh, his talent was so awesome. Now, he did go number two. Uh, and so you wonder why he didn't go one, but you know Jordan went three. Why didn't he go number one? But that he could well, because in that era they would take big men, big men, right? But that Bias was so yeah. talented, and he was um, as the second pick. Even though they were really good at the time, the Celtics had the second pick, and that he would have gone to the Celtics and kind of had a. Um, I think the best modern comparison would be kind of Kawhi Leonard, you know, a team that's really good, but it's getting older, but they're not done yet. And if they get someone who's young and really good, that's going to extend their run. You know, without Kawhi Leonard, do the, do the Spurs get a fifth title? And I don't think they do. You know, the, the glory days and the height of the power for Duncan and those guys was 03, 05, 07. You get five years later, they're still good, but they're not at that level they were in 03, 05, 07, unless they get a really good young player like Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, would Len Bias have had that impact on the Celtics in the late 80s and early 90s? Because 86 was their well, third and just... final title, and then yeah. they, they yeah, lost they in the finals that. in 87. And then it would, they kind of slipped from there. And that if they'd had someone of his talent, that could have been a pretty good run. Even better. Well, of course, they also lost Reggie, Reggie Lewis, too. Yeah, right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 Zone. We better go to break. Guy Holiday's coming up next. Wide receivers coach for the University of Utah, Brian Keel, former BYU and NFL linebacker, will be here at 9. Guy Holiday's next. Stay with us.